Hey, it's great to be with you this week. If I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Jonathan, one of the pastors on, on staff here. I'm excited uh, to kick off a new series. Uh, we just finished a series called Next, and I can't think of a better way to, to follow that up but then a series of prayer. Uh, but if we're honest, I think sometimes when we hear we're going to spend the next seven weeks up to Easter talking about prayer, a few of you are excited, and then there's a lot more who are like, oh, you know, do we have to talk about it that long? Um, some of you may even be like, I, I already feel guilty. Um, you know, the truth is sometimes prayer feels like eating peas. Um, I know it's good for me, but it can be a struggle. Uh, what doesn't help is when we read quotes like this from, from theologian uh, Martin Luther. He says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, I think what he's saying is, is prayer is critical and it's an essential need in our lives. But really, quotes like this often just discourage us or create guilt or just cause us to give up because we can't imagine praying for more than 10 minutes, let alone the length of your average NFL football game. Yes, the typical follower of Jesus and most will admit that they feel insecure about their prayer life. So as you think about prayer, what, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Maybe it's that, that long-winded pastor in the church that you're growing up in that, that prayed way too long. Uh, maybe that it was that time when you prayed and you saw God come through in an amazing way. I know one of the things that, that I think about that comes to my mind is, is this picture that, that hung over my grandma Carrie's kitchen table. Now, some of you may recognize it. Um, as a kid, this, this picture reminded me to pray before I ate, just like this, this godly man. Um, but as a kid... What really amazed me was the thickness of his Bible, <laughs> the thickness of his Bible. And, and I remember as a kid thinking, what, what kind of soup is that? Is that tomato soup? And, you know, not sure I'd be thankful for that thankful for tomato soup. Um, you know, it's obviously a picture of a very spiritual and devout man in prayer. I mean, I, I picture him praying so long that his soup gets cold. Well, it's because I'm curious about stuff like this, I, I, with a little power of Google, I, I looked this painting up and uh, I was disappointed. Um, it actually is a painting of a photograph. Uh, the book in the picture is actually a dictionary made to look like a Bible. The man himself was, was more interested in drinking than anything else. And as the story goes, he was given $5 to waive the rights of, of owning that photograph. And then no one ever saw him ever again. Regardless, when I think about prayer, sometimes this picture of a devout man thankful for his tomato soup comes to mind. When we think about prayer, we, we can come up with some pretty lofty ideas of what prayer should look like and, and what it should sound like. And yet, I'm reminded of the simplicity and, and power of prayer about a year ago when I was backpacking with my two sons in the Everglades. We had, 
we had hiked about nine miles. And here's the hard thing about walking that far in Florida with a tent, food, clothes, cooking gear on your back. It's hot, so humid, so hot. Uh, we got to the place where we were to camp for the night. We were so grateful. And then we realized a couple had already taken all the campsites with all their stuff. And so as the sun is setting, we're, we're hiking back to another campground three miles away. It made us all a little nervous. The, the sun is setting, we're tired, we're hungry, we're thinking about the, the panthers that we had read about on this trail. And as the boys got further and further, further in front of me, I'm looking at the tall grass and, and just kind of beating the grass with my sticks to make noise. And I, I must have prayed this prayer with every step that I made. Lord, strengthen me and sustain me. Lord, strengthen me and sustain me. Lord, keep us safe, protect us, help us to get there. Give me strength and sustain me. You know, we, we made it just as the sun uh, went over the horizon and we were glad to be safe and, and finally done for the day. But I think about that prayer to God. It was a simple prayer. It, was a length, it wasn't a lengthy prayer. It wasn't a profound prayer. I didn't close my eyes and bow my head. I, I didn't say amen at the end. It, it was simply the desperate and honest prayer of dependence upon God's power and presence. You see, that's the thing about prayer. Sometimes it's hard to define because it comes in, in so many different shapes and sizes. We have long prayers and short prayers, morning prayers and evening prayers, breakfast prayers, lunch prayers, dinner prayers, whispered prayers, save us from the panther prayers, public prayers, silent prayers, thankful prayers, prayers of lament, conversational prayers, answered and unanswered prayers. And so it raises some great question, what then is prayer? Why pray when, when God already knows everything? Why pray when it seems he didn't answer that time I prayed for my friend? How do I talk to someone I, I can't hear or, or see or touch? Who am I really praying to? Do, does prayer change anything? Does it, does it make a difference? The fact is, prayer might be the most pivotal, pivotal and, and puzzling activity in a Christian's life. It can be a lifeline and a life mystery. We know we need to pray, but we know we don't pray enough. Sometimes we're not even sure how to pray. Should I be asking God for this? Should I, I still be asking God for this? Do I even know what I need to ask for? The truth is, God means for your life to run on the power of prayer. Prayer fuels the engine of our lives. We need God in and through prayer really more than we need anything else. I can't promise we'll answer every one of these questions over the next seven weeks, but we do think it's the perfect time to have this conversation about prayer. And so we want to give you some things to think about as well as some things to build upon. See, prayer is like anything else. The more you do it, the, the more you put it into practice, the more natural it becomes. In fact, over these next few weeks, we're not just going to talk about prayer, 
but we want to give you some intentional opportunities to put prayer into practice. Over the next few weeks, here's a few of the things that you can be looking forward to. In our student ministry, there's going to be prayer cards for different ways that they can pray. There's going to be a challenge to pray at 618 every day, if based off Ephesians 6.18 that says to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. They're going to do Instagram Live at 6.18 on Mondays, praying for specific things. Our power kids are, are, are going to be given uh, prayer journal booklets and, and post-it notes. They can, they can write what they're praying for and post it somewhere to remind them to pray. Our young adults and adults, uh, prayer cards, uh, 40 days of, of a prayer journal. Uh, Wednesdays at noon, just a time live on Facebook to, to pray for a short time. Um, and then <clears throat> Wednesday evenings, uh, Sarah's going to put together a time that will feature some of our, our global and local partners that we can pray, pray for. Uh, see, many of our grace groups are going to have weekly discussions on prayer and, and spend specific time praying together. So many different opportunities, lots of uh, ways to pray, things to pray for, um, because it may not always be intuitive or easy to focus on prayer. But hard things are often the things that are worth doing the most. It's our desire that, that we get the full picture of prayer, what it is, what it isn't. Because really, we face two dangers when we start talking about prayer. We can make prayer seem so difficult that only super Christians can effectively pray, while the rest of us just kind of muddle along. And, and it can be intimidating. Or we can go to the opposite extreme and, and make prayer like texting a buddy. Yeah, that makes prayer seem more accessible, than, but then we end up taking a pretty light view, lightweight view of prayer. Instead of coming into God's presence to talk to our, our Heavenly Father, we feel like we're chatting with a friend while they're sipping a latte and checking Instagram. You see, honestly, I know I can do better. I think we all can because we have a tendency to see prayer as a last resort rather than a first response. I read a story about a church they were going through a difficulty and, and one of the leaders uh, approached the pastor and the pastor said, well, I guess all we can do is pray. The church leader's uh, response was interesting. He said with a, a bit of concern, has it come to that? You know, sometimes we approach prayer with that attitude or an attitude of, you know, well, what have I got to lose? And yet we should really be asking, what have I lost by not praying? You see, James says you do not have because you don't ask God. So <clears throat> first question I, I just kind of want us to, to look at and consider today is, why is prayer such a struggle? I think most of us agree most of our problems in life are, are communication problems. Communication between friends or a husband and wife, employees and employer. Most of our problems in life come from poor communication. And I think in the same way, unless we learn to communicate with God, we, we won't know him, we won't relate to him, we won't live in the way that he's created us and purposed us to live. You see, sometimes our struggle is a problem, I think, of, of recognizing God's love for us. 
We can't conceive that the creator of the universe is interested in our house payments, leaky faucets, and, and getting warm clothes for our kids. Or maybe that, that guy at work or my back problems. As you see, when we fully understand how much God really loves us, prayer becomes less of a struggle. And only then does prayer go from I have to pray to I want to pray. Richard Foster said it this way, real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. You see, we, talk, we love to talk with people who love us. We love communicating with people who, who understand us fully and yet still love us completely. Sometimes prayer can be a struggle because we feel like God isn't listening. You know, <clears throat> I, I, I prayed for that situation. God didn't come through the way I thought he would, and, and, and we're disappointed. Most of us grow up thinking about prayer and, and seeing prayer as, as merely as asking for things. And if we're honest, it's probably one reason we don't pray as much as we could. Because we've stopped, maybe we've stopped praying altogether because if prayer is asking for what I want and I don't get it, then what's the point? Over these next few weeks, we're, we're going to be talking about the disciples' prayer and what it means to pray through pain, what it means to pray through doubt, what it means to pray through fear. We're going to be looking at, at what it looks like to pray differently. You see, there's no getting away from the fact that sometimes we just want to do things our own way. We have this natural inclination to be uh, self-sufficient. I don't want help. So why would I ask God to get involved? But I think Pastor Dan alluded the, to this a few weeks ago from John 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's, he's trying to tell them like, hey, don't do this in your own strength. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, prayer is a, a demonstration that you're deciding to rely on God's strength and not your own. Without him, we can do nothing of eternal consequence. This begins to answer our next question this, today, and that's, you know, then why pray? And we're going to be looking at Jesus' instruction in Matthew 6. If you want to, if you want to turn there, it's the, the first gospel, the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6. He's, he's teaching them not to just appear religious, but to worship and serves, serve in a way that reflects the heart of God, a devotion, a, a dependence on God. And it's interesting. He begins this section, verse 5, and he says simply, And when you pray... Uh, here's what I want you to notice. It's not if you pray, but, but when. It's an assumed part of being a follower of Jesus. God has commanded us to pray. It needs to be a part of our life in him. And again and again, we see this throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible as, as prayer is, is driven home by these commands and descriptions of prayer. In Matthew 5, pray for those who persecute you. Romans, be joyful in hope, patient, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Other places, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray continually. See, pray is an act of, uh, prayer is an act of obedience. God asks us to pray. You know, and that should be enough. But I also don't want you just to pray because you have to. Why do we pray? Because the second reason is because we're completely dependent on God. Whether reading through the Bible or, or studying Jesus' life, both reveal that the heart of prayer is recognizing every moment of every day that we are completely dependent on God. We can learn from Jesus' example. We read in Hebrews 5, 7, <clears throat> During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus prayed in total dependence on God. The Gospel of Luke makes this abundantly clear. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see this immediately after he's baptized, he's praying. In Luke 4, we see that Jesus' whole ministry begins with a, a battle involving prayer and fasting that takes place face-to-face -face with the devil. In Luke 5, everybody's coming to see Jesus, and Luke tells us, but Jesus often redrew, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Luke 6, Jesus is about to call the, the 12 apostles, but what does he do before he chooses them? It says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. In Luke 9, we have the account of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah. Right before that, what, what do you think Jesus was doing? We read, once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Later in the same chapter, Jesus gets alone with Peter, John, and, and James to do what? To pray. In Luke 18, we find Jesus teaching the disciples about persistence in prayer. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The night before his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus goes to a garden to pray. So here's the question. Why was Jesus always praying? Or maybe even better question, when you look at his life and ministry, what did Jesus do apart from prayer? And the answer is absolutely nothing. There's not one thing that Jesus did on his own. It was all in dependence on the Father, everything. And I think Jesus' followers knew this. They had followed Jesus around for a while. They, they, they noticed the patterns of Jesus' life, what he relied on. They had lived life with him, listened to his teaching, witnessed his miracles, heard his stories, shared meals with him. Luke tells us that one day the disciples come to Jesus and, and they make a request. In Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I believe his disciples are, are watching him. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. You think about this. Of all the things that they could have requested from Jesus, why this? 
They had heard Jesus preach great sermons, perform miracles, heal the sick, raise the dead, multiply fish and bread, turn water to wine. They could have asked him for anything. They could have asked him to teach them how to, to be, Jesus, how do we be better leaders? The fact is, entire leadership models have been built around the leadership style of Jesus. But this is the one thing, as they watched in prayer, pray, that they knew they needed to figure out. You see, it's not that they had never prayed. They had learned how to pray as kids in the synagogue. They had learned the religious ritual of prayer. But they wanted to pray like Jesus. They realized prayer was a vital part of living as a follower of Jesus. They saw firsthand the priority Jesus places on prayer, and they witnessed the results. They saw in Jesus something very different. Prayer was, was something that literally nourished him. It was a necessity for him. The disciples saw the difference, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray like you're praying. That being said, as we're laying the foundation for prayer, we also need to answer the question, what is prayer? Well, Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, uh, starting with verse 5. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. If I can, I'd like to summarize this this way. Prayer is talking with God as opposed to just talking to God. You see, people often say that prayer is just talking to God as, as you would to anyone else. And, and in some ways that's true, but in a completely different way. <laughs> Jesus says we're, we're praying to the Father who is unseen. In other words, prayer is supernatural. It's beyond what we can comprehend. I just want you to think about that for a moment. We're talking with a God who is unlike anyone else we could ever talk to. He has a personality and qualities that we can relate to, but we can't expect to, to understand God the way we might a, a friend. He's bigger, more incredible than that. He's beyond what we can fathom and even imagine. And so here's the conclusion I've made. Talking with God is just like talking to a friend, except completely different. <laughs> And that's part of the complexity and the beauty of prayer. When you talk to someone, it's, it's a one-way communication. However, when you're having a conversation with someone, there's an exchange of words and thoughts and ideas. It, it involves listening as well. That's why what you believe about God and your relationship with him is fundamental to talking to him. And I think we'll talk about that more next week. But you see, prayer is a conversation that God started with us by speaking to us in his word, the Bible. One writer reminds us we were all spoken to before we spoke. Well, here's what he meant by that. Studies show that a child's ability to understand and commu 
communicate is profoundly affected by the number of words and the extent of the vocabulary they were exposed to as children. In other words, we speak to the degree that we're spoken to. So that being the case, it's essential in prayer that we recognize God's words, God's speech, His communication to us. Our prayer comes out of our exposure and an understanding of God's word, starting with the story of Jesus, the gospel, the good news. You see, it's only in our engagement with the Bible that we learn to pray, to speak with God as he's already spoken to us. So here's a simple, basic definition of what prayer is. Prayer is continuing the conversation God started with us. You see, we talk to God in order to know him, express ourselves in the context of a deepening relationship of devotion and dependence. Matthew 6, 8 says it very plainly, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, what does that mean? It means we don't have to impress God or use big words or, or pray long prayers. We don't have to repeat ourselves when we pray. We don't have to worry about getting all the details correct or, or throwing in some flowery language. In fact, often when I, I lead prayer publicly, I, I, I use the three Bs, be bold, be biblical, be brief. <laughs> you see, God, God knows us better than we do. When you pray, you aren't informing God of anything. When you pray, you're growing in your relationship and dependence on God. You're putting your complete trust in him and depending on him even as he's working to align your heart and mind with his. You're continuing the conversation. So that being understood, prayer is also surrendering to God's plan. When talking about prayer, it's, it's easy to focus on the have to and, and the need to, but there's also a get to aspect of prayer. God has designed prayer as the means for you and me to be involved in what he's doing in the world. You see, the goal of this message is, is not to get you to pray more, to be more structured, to be more organized, to be known as a person of prayer, because if that's our goal, then we're no different than any other religion. In fact, most of the followers of those other religions put followers of Jesus to shame by their devotion to prayer. But he, this is what we need to realize, prayer in and of itself is powerless. But when prayer is a means by which we connect in a vital relationship with Creator God, then we see God's incredible power and what He can do. And the way we connect with that power is through something we call surrender. This is a surrender that grows out of a relationship of absolute trust. As we recognize our desperate need for God, as we seek to know him better and better, we, we grow in understanding of his plan and, and, and we grow in the point of surrender to his will in all things. And, and that's when life gets exciting because that's where God begins to use us. As you see, we're, we're just beginning the conversation on why pray. What is prayer? But before we close, I just want to touch real quickly on some methods of prayer. How, why pray? What is prayer? How, how then should we pray? I mean, I think we can all agree we're all very different. 
I mean, you can, there's someone in the room with, uh, with you, you just look at them and say, you're different. <laughs> uh, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Um, but what I mean by that is, is our, our schedules are different. Our, our families are different. We're in different stages of life with different demands on our days. We, we're at different stages in our walk with Jesus. So the way we pray is going to be different. So let me just ask, let me answer some, some basic questions. When and where do I pray? A well, simple answer is anytime, anywhere. <laughs> anytime, anywhere can work. However, the reality is the freedom to pray anywhere often leads to praying nowhere. And so we should absolutely pray spontaneously whenever, wherever we, we feel the need or want to pray. It's a, a break at work or before a test in line at the grocery store, you know, hiking at dusk in the Everglades. But, but our lives are fueled by prayer. So we shouldn't just leave it up to spontaneity. It's good to find a, a distraction-free time and place if possible. God deserves our focused attention. It's important to pick a consistent time and place where you can be alone. It might be in the morning at home or, or during a long commute, over a lunch break, a, a convenient time in the evening. The times and places will be different for different people. Well, what should I pray for? I think we'll talk a lot about this throughout the series, but I want to just give us some things to think about this week. Uh, maybe begin to change the way you pray and what you pray for. And something that may help is to help us spend intentional time praying for people around us is to pray in concentric circles. You know, start with that center circle, praying for our own concerns and, and a heart that's aligned with God and then praying for our spouse and our kids and, and then praying for our family, praying for our grace group and our church, praying for our community, praying for our nation, praying for the nations. You, know, you won't hit every circle every time you pray, but it can maybe help give structure to our prayers so we're not just wandering all over the place. And sometimes you need to pray outside the regular circles you pray for. Because all, if all we ever do is pray for our own problems and our circumstances, we're limiting what God wants to do in us through our prayer. We need to pray with a picture of God's kingdom in mind. That being said, sometimes I, I feel, I, I think that our prayers can be too small. I mean, do we have enough courage to pray that God could intervene or would intervene in this conflict between Russia and the Ukraine that has the potential of getting out of hand? Do we have the courage to pray for that? I mean, I don't know about you, my, my heart breaks for these people as I'm, I'm watching on the new kids, grade school kids learning how to apply first aid, identify explosives, training for what to do in case of a bombardment. Do we have enough vision and faith to pray for <clears throat> Afghani refugees scattered from their communities all over the globe that they would hear the good news about Jesus? Do we have the audacity to pray for the Shaikh people in, in Bangladesh, a group of about 136 million people who are 0.00% Christian to say yes to Jesus? Is that too big for God? 
Do we have enough imagination to, to pray for God to stop this, this heroin and fentanyl epidemic in our own backyard? To rescue women from sex trafficking? Are we willing to pray for big things? Because see, the truth is, prayer can go through any wall, cross any boundary, travel thousands of miles and penetrate the hardest of hearts. Prayer that relies on God is limitless in power and opportunity. Do we believe that? Lord, teach us to pray. At the same time, though, I, I think sometimes our prayers aren't small enough. We may not think God cares about another Monday morning at work or, or with the kids. We have, this, we have this tiny little box of routine things that we're willing to ask God for, and, and, and we take on everything ourselves on our own. And we assume God's not interested. He doesn't have time for these, these small details of my day. It reminds me of a time when, when Jennifer and I, um, we had a small church in Philadelphia. We were moving to Roanoke, Virginia, and and we had this grace group that, that we met with. And one of the women in our small group had, had, had moved several times. She understood kind of what we were going through as we're getting ready for the move. And, and one night in, in, in group, she announced that she had put it upon herself. She goes, Jonathan, Jennifer, I'm praying for moving boxes. <laughs> and I kind of remember thinking to myself, okay, uh, whatever, Mary now. Um, that seems kind of silly because there's a whole lot of bigger things to be praying for. Two days later, she called us and she said, hey, guess what? Family just moved next door to us. They said I could have all of their professional moving boxes. God is good. <laughs> you know, when it came to pack all of our stuff, we had more than enough boxes and we realized what a true blessing all of that was. All because she asked. You see, God is concerned about the small stuff in our lives as well. Someone has said a day without prayer is a boast against God. Nothing out lies outside the reach of God except what lies outside the will of God. You see, Paul encourages us, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, what, whatever's on your mind matters to God because you matter to God. As you develop the habit of praying over time, you'll get a sense of, of what things God is talking to you about, what, what's worth giving your attention to. Because you see, when we begin to pray, God changes us. Prayer will begin to set the tone for the day. It will, it will help you make better decisions. Prayer will help you to, to trust that God is always there. Prayer will encourage you to enter into what's next. Prayer will begin to transform your heart and mind to reflect Jesus more and more. So this, this week, I encourage you, use some of the prayer resources. Find a rhythm. Think about pray. Maybe even pray about a time and a place that you can talk to God on a consistent basis. Can I tell you, you won't regret it. I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring this more with you over the next few weeks and uh, appreciate you joining us today. Let me pray for us. Lord, 
Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray with, with faith and to continue this conversation you've started with us. Lord, that's the desire of our heart this morning, today. Lord, teach us to pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.